Greetings and welcome to the Upper Pen Podcast. My name is Dakota and today I'm talking with Jessie Mahalik about her recently released book, Hunt the Stars, which is the first book in the Starlight's Shadow series. Jessie is the author of the Consortium Rebellion Trilogy and the Rogue Queen series. Each series is a sci-fi and features strong women who take no crap from people trying to stop them from doing what needs to be done. Oftentimes this includes their love interest. Hunt the Stars follows a bounty hunter and former soldier named Octavia Zarola, who is commissioned to transport her sworn enemy, Torin Fletcher, a Valoff general that she fought in the war into enemy territory. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you because I really, really enjoyed the Consortium Rebellion. So yeah. I'm really excited for this series, too. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad. I... Uh... <laughs> I just, I love writing, you know, fierce female characters who really, as you said, well, don't take, don't take any crap from anybody. So I'm glad, glad you're enjoying them. They're actually some of my favorite parts of this, this, uh, well, not this book specifically, but all of your books. It's just um, really refreshing to see sci-fi with women that aren't stereotypes. (laughs) Yes, yeah, I I tried to try to stay away from as many stereotypes as possible. So um, hopefully I succeeded. I'm sure that there, I'm sure some snuck in there because you know it's just sort of embalmed in culture and you you sort of internalize that. But I tried to get away from as many as possible. You have a really good knack for making each character's individual too. So your series typically follow three different women in each book, correct? Yes. Yep. So how do you keep track of who they are and what kind of characteristics they have? Is it just mental? Um, it's partially mental. It's partially, I hi, I write in a program called Scrivener, which has a, a section for like characters and notes and whatever. And so part of it is just keeping really good notes about like characteristics and likes and dislikes and things that I don't necessarily know when I'm starting out writing, but as I, you know, make, as I write something in one of the books that could become relevant in future books, I try to make sure I note that down in in the character sheet so that I'm not, you know, doing a word search in 110,000 words trying to figure out what I said that she liked on page 93. So that makes a lot of sense and it keeps it really consistent throughout each book um, and through the series as a whole. Um, Yeah, so it's, I love Scrivener. It's really great for going back and seeing what you've already done. (laughs) Yes, no, Scrivener, Scrivener is the thing that keeps me on track and on target. And what I will actually do is, especially when I'm writing the series books, I will take all of my research notes and all of my characters and whatever description and just copy them into the new book's file. So I have all of that information starting out and then I'll add to it and then I'll take all of that stuff and copy it into book three's file. So it sort of grows as it goes along. So what kind of research do you do for the books? Um, I spend a lot of time on Wikipedia learning about things like is faster than light travel theoretically possible? And if so, which which ways could it potentially work? And I spend like literal hours doing research that ends up being two sentences in the book. Um, but it does help me 
sort of, you know, get that world building feel. And so even though I am not, you know, dumping my incredible knowledge of random faster than light travel things, it it helps like ground me in the universe. It you do really good because it's it it feels real, right? The universe you yeah. build is organic in that way that I think is just comes from a lot of research and being really interested. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that you feel that way because sometimes it does feel like I'm just doing like it sort of feels like procrasta research, like procrastination and research. Um, but it does help me when I am doing the world building. So how did you get started on Hunt the Stars? Uh, Hunt the Stars originally started as I was watching The Mandalorian and I was like, oh, Mando and Baby Yoda, who I know has a name and I don't care, it will forever be Baby Yoda. Um, like, they're so good together, but they're so lonely. Like, they need a whole crew. And then also, what if this was a woman captain? And then also a love interest. And it sort of just all grew from there. But it really was like the, oh, I want you to be happy. I could write something that's happy. So. Speaking of your little uh, baby Yoda and uh, the Mandalorian, one of my favorite characters in this is Luna. And while she doesn't have a voice, she's so, I don't know, she's so characterized. It's really great. I loved Luna. Like when I was, I pitched this, um, I sold it on proposal to my editor, which means I had not written the book yet. I basically wrote like part of a first chapter and sort of maybe where I thought it was going to go um, because my editor knows that I'm not a plotter. So we sort of like find out together where it's going to go after I write it. And she's like, I had told her, you know, I was considering this sort of like a, a gender flipped Mandalorian, even though it sort of deviated from that as I was writing it. And she's like, oh, are they going to have, are you going to have something like baby Yoda, like something like cute and adorable? And I was like, yes, I am now. Of course I am. And then I like Luna just sort of popped into my head and I was like, yes, this is going to work. I'm going to have this adorable little alien creature who is empathetic and slightly telepathic. And she is going to rule the ship, even though she's teeny tiny. Yes. And I can feel all of my dogs in her when, when she's just projecting food images <laughs> yeah. into your brain. Yeah. I figured, I figured some pet owners might, uh, might realize that, you know, if only their dogs or cats could, you know, be telepathic, they would get very similar images from their pets. Um, is she going to be in the later books? She is, but not as much because she really is Tavi's. And so um, she will she will definitely make some key appearances because they will be, the crew will be together, but there's some like separate together, separate together. So uh, she will she will make guest appearances in the later books for sure. Um, one of my other really, really, really favorite characters is the ship itself. You do so good of describing it. And I just, I always love the ship parts. Do you, oh, I love are, that. Are you really into spaceships? Uh, I'm really into sort of waving my hands and letting people envision what they want for spaceships. So I try and give just enough detail that you can envision spaceship, but not so much that it's like, and it was purple and it had stripes and it was whatever, but just like, Whatever in your mind is spaceship, 
Like, that's what I want you to envision. And then I give you like little pieces of like the garden, like, because I was like, a hydroponic garden in space sounds amazing. Like who would not want some fresh vegetables while they're, you know, coasting around in darkness. So um, I try to add character pieces like that, but I wouldn't say I'm huge into spaceships, but since it is a space opera that takes place across the galaxy, I have to be have to be somewhat knowledgeable about spaceships. It seems like, so the reason I ask is because you're Polaris Rising and Aurora Blazing, they're all the ship names. So I yeah. just, I was always yeah. curious. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened because I started with Polaris and Polaris Rising was the working title. Um, and then I was like, this has so many meanings. How can I work the rest of the ship names into this and also like meaning within the series? And so um, I did that. And then for Hunt the Stars, it's not the ship name, but the, the Starlight Shadow series title is the ship name. So I do always try, always try to like sneak in some ship names into my, my series titles or book titles. <laughs> well, it does, very, it works really well because then, you know, I get the sense of strength. <laughs> Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your Valof characters? Yes. Uh, they are an alien race that humanity ran into somewhere in the far distant future once we figured out how to use wormholes to achieve that faster than light travel that I was talking about. Um, and they are... They are very human-like, and so in world scientists are still debating about whether they started the human line or the humans jetted off and started the Valof line. Um, so they're very closely related, but the Valofs have mental abilities. Um, they are telepathic, almost all of them. Some of them have additional abilities such as telekinesis or healing or some additional abilities you will see in book two and book three. Um, but yeah, they're they're very human-like, except they grew up on an alien planet and had no idea that humans existed until they sort of clashed and humans wanted what they had. They didn't really want that. And then they, there was a very long war. And Hunt the Stars happens just after the war is closed. I think it was like three years ago. And so there's still a lot of tension between the two. So are you going to explore or give more detail about what happened before Hunt the Stars in the other series or in the other books? Probably not a huge amount more detail. Um, you, you'll get little peeks back into like during the war potentially because that becomes relevant to some of the, the overall plot, but probably not a huge amount of detail. It's, it's really kind of moving from this point forwards. That makes sense. I do always have a yearning for what <laughs> what happened in the past, but yeah. I understand it can't be done in all books. <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed that the series that you write are unashamedly romantic sci-fi. And I yeah. think that this is like a, a subgenre that's just not really done well or often. <laughs> um, well, I don't know that I would say that necessarily. I think there's a lot of sci-fi romance out there. So you just have to know where to look. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fair. Did you find that you liked that kind of literature before you started writing? Or is it something you kind of fell into? 
Uh, no, I definitely, I am a huge romance fan. Um, I read romance. I love romance. Uh, I am delighted to be able to write romance and cross it over with sci-fi, which I also love. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a huge romance fan. And when I started writing, I was like, yes, I definitely want these books to have people that fall in love while also, you know, kicking ass and saving the universe and whatever, but romance is going to be a core part of the story. So yeah. I think you do a really good job of mixing it together because they're always in really tense situations and like naturally feelings come out of that. So yeah, uh, sometimes I put them in too many tense situations in a row and my editor's like, so we're going to need some relationship building in here, which means like maybe they just need to take like a tiny break or something and like not be dying for a second so that they can actually get together. So she's always she's always like, hey, maybe just a little more relationship building here. It's nice to have somebody in your head saying, slow down, slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's always nice. Um, so that kind of brings me into Hunt the Stars is a lot of relationship building right at the beginning because they're kind of headbutting all the time and there's not a whole lot of action yet aside from things that happen in like flashbacks or um, when they butt heads a little bit too much. Did you have to write that and then rewrite that to try and get that um, less tense moments all at once? Um, it actually started out pretty organically because I was trying to get the crew to mesh and I knew that they would not just, I mean, if you're at war with somebody three years ago and then all of a sudden they're on your ship, like it, it's going to lead to some tension that happens. And so it's almost, and while I was writing it, cause I wrote Hunt the Stars in the beginning of the pandemic um, when we were all still kind of in lockdown. So while I was writing it, I was trying to write all the things that, you know, I missed, like having people over together and having dinner and just like enjoying life. And so um, that sort of, it is a little bit slower paced than some of my consortium books because it is a lot of like, well, first of all, faster than light travel only works at, you know, anchors and wormholes. And so you have a lot of time just in space to get anywhere. And so they just have a lot of time where they're together trying to figure out how to like not murder each other in their sleep. And so a lot of that was just trying to get the the two two crews to mesh together. I think the scenes with them eating are especially my favorite just because they're they're so awkward at first. And then it just once they a little later in the book, they're not eating together as much and they're like, oh my God, I miss this so much. Yeah. I love that. I'm glad you noticed. Uh, you also made me want to cook paella. Thank you. Um, also, saffron is very expensive. Um, yes. Anybody out there, just maybe make it without the saffron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. It's like this tiny little grain costs $15. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> it smells really good, though. I mean, yeah. Oh, so. One of the things that I love is uh, Key, one of the other characters in the book, aside from Octavia, she is really into computers. And you don't just have her wave her hand and make everything just work instantly. Um, is this a product of you being a software engineer and knowing that that's not how it works? Um, yes and no. I, I do let her wave her hands when it's convenient to me 
because I do know that like, you know, cracking into different systems is not really that easy. But if I had her sit there and do it for like three months, that would be a really boring book. So there's definitely some waving, hand waving that happens that does come from me being a software engineer, but I try to make it as realistically as possible within the time frame that I need it to happen. So it, it's kind of kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, do you think that your other career has influenced your writing at all in any other way? Um, I think it definitely has. A lot of people don't realize that software development is actually highly creative. Like they think that it's it's very like logic based and left brain and follow steps and whatever. And it kind of is, but also you're solving problems. Like you're solving problems and you're going about it in a way that you have to make leaps. And a lot of those leaps are creative leaps. Like yes, they're logical leaps as well, but without the creative side, it's just not, it's not as not as useful. And so doing that and then also working up to deadline, like just figuring out time management, all of those sorts of things, definitely. And like, as you said, the tech side, like being able to write a realistic, uh, you know, computer engineer, like that's something that definitely helps when writing science fiction books. So. I imagine it also, uh, my boyfriend Matt is a software engineer and he's very meticulous. Like he's, I'm gonna write this down and I'm gonna know where I made this mistake so that I can come back to it 16 steps later and see how I can fix it, massage it. So it seems like that's something that could be very useful for literature as well. Yeah, that definitely helps. It helps when I'm writing. Um, it helps me keeping the various lists that keep me on track whenever I'm you know, trying to keep my world straight. Um, and I'm writing book three right now. And I was like, didn't I mention this somewhere in book one or book two? And I looked at my notes and I was like, yes, I did. I'm a genius. Like, so it definitely, definitely from that side, it helps as well. Scrivener is great for keeping that stuff in order too. Like, yeah, if you're a writer and you don't use Scrivener yet, just look it up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so the pacing in your books is always really nice. And I really liked that you... We kind of already covered this, but you slowed down in the beginning of Hunt the Stars. Well, I will say I am glad that you think that my pacing is nice because that is something that I worry about constantly. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for noticing and liking it because that is something that I'm always worried about. Like, is this too slow? Is this too fast? Is there too much going on? Is there not enough going on? Like, it's, it's a delicate, delicate line to walk sometimes. I find that a lot of books kind of go too fast or not at all. So it's nice to have a slow, like a medium um, where you have enough of these scenes where they're sitting and eating dinner and then somebody's getting punched in the face yeah. <laughs> and then they have dinner again. Um, so I think those pacing techniques really work well here. What's gonna happen in the upcoming book if you can say a little bit about it? So book two is called Eclipse the Moon which I almost forgot what it was called because that's where my brain is right now. It is coming out in July. There is a typo in the back of Hunt the Stars that says that it is July, 2023. That is wrong. It is July, 2022. So it is like five months from now instead of like 18 months from now. So everybody breathe a huge sigh of relief. Um, and it follows Key and Varro. Those are the two main characters for that book. And 
it's a continuation of the investigation that there's they've sort of started in hunt the stars i don't want to give too much away for people who haven't read the first book yet because it is kind of a kind of a spoiler but it continues with that and key and varo end up kind of on their own for a little bit um so you'll have to have to read it to figure out why that is but i had so much fun writing it because Tavi is very like steady and caring. She's like the rock that kind of holds the ship together. And Key is very much like the glittery chaos rainbow that sort of just like sparkles on everybody and explodes and then like disappears. And so having writing her was such a different experience, but also so fun. So I hope people I hope people enjoy the second book as much as the first. Did your editor have to rein you in from some of the sparkles? Uh, my editor is amazing and she's like more sparkles. So um, she is always on board with what I'm doing. So there there have been very few cases where she's actually like tried to rein me in because she's normally like, how about more of this? So she's amazing. That's fantastic. It's always nice to have somebody in your corner like that. Yeah. How did you guys find each other? Did you submit a proposal for your original series? Um, I submitted actual Polaris for, um, I queried an agent, got the agent. We did the, you know, uh, an agent editing pass to sort of clean up um, Polaris. And then she sent it out to a bunch of editors and Tessa at Harper Voyager um, was the one that I ended up going with. And it's been amazing. So I'm very happy. You've actually made this your full-time career, right? Yes. With the caveat that it is my full-time career because I am in a dual income household and I was a software engineer for eight years before becoming a full-time writer because I would not I would not necessarily recommend becoming a full-time writer without some somebody with health insurance. That's really useful. Like so yes, I am I am writing full-time, but um, only because I'm having a lot of support. Is there anything that you would suggest to people who are in a career but want to try writing? As um, the way that I actually started, well, I started writing multiple times. I started in college writing fan fiction, um, which I loved. So if you're just like sort of want to tip your toe into writing, fan fiction is a great place to start. Um, Archive of Our Own is a big one. Uh, it's all, you'll often see it called AO3. Um, so go read, write, get feedback. Um, and then if you want to actually write original fiction, like the, so I wrote fan fiction and then I sort of stopped writing cause I started working and I just didn't have time. But then a friend invited me to do NaNoWriMo, which is national novel writing month in November, which is during the month of November, you try to write a 50,000 word novel. And 50,000 words isn't really a novel like my books and generally are in the like 110,000 range, 100 and uh, full length novels generally range from basically like 80 to 120 with sort of epic fantasy being 200 plus, but that's probably not what you want to, you know, on your first foray into writing. But National Novel Writing Month in November, it's a whole community that gets together. So there's lots of support. You have fun. You just try and type out, I think it's something like 1600 some odd words a day for the entire month. And you just like focus. And so that's how I first started 
saying, hey, maybe I can do this writing thing, though the book that I wrote will never, ever, ever, ever see the light of day. Um, but it was at least, it did prove to me that I could get through an entire book, so. There's something about shitty first drafts and that can be extended to shitty first books. Yeah, 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 that book, I mean, I learned a lot of what not to do. And so, but um, then I started writing Polaris and I, well, I, there's, there was another trunked novel in there as well that I was the novel I originally queried it may see the light of day. It's still, it's an urban fantasy. It still needs some edits. Um, but then I had talked to my agent and I had mentioned that I was going, that I was writing this sci-fi romance. And she's like, oh, send me three chapters. Um, because we hadn't, like, we weren't working together at that point. I was still querying her. And I was like, okay. And then I had like one chapter written. So over the course of a weekend, I'm like, I have to write two more chapters really fast. It must go right now because she needs it. Um, and so then I sent her three chapters and she was like, that's she, but between my original urban fantasy novel and three chapters, the new novel, that's what she actually offered rep on. And I was like, okay. And she's like, when do you think you could have this new novel done? And I think it was like, October that we had that conversation and I was like oh certainly I can have it done by the end of January because in my you know basically she had short-circuited my entire brain by agreeing to you know represent me and time lost all meaning and so you know the first book it took me years to write and the second book I ended up writing at something like three and a half months and then Polaris, which was the book in three and a half months, was the book that I went on and sold to Harper Voyager. So um, it's just just works out that way sometimes. So however you however you get there, however you can make time for it, like just just don't give up. Like if you really want to do to be a writer and do writing, even if you can only eke out five minutes a day or, you know, an hour every other day. Like you don't have to write every day. I know that people say that you do, but don't believe everything you hear on the internet. Um, whatever time that you can commit to it, if it brings you joy, then do it. That makes, like I went to MFA, I got my MFA in writing and uh, yeah, that <laughs> that feels more real than most of the things they told us there. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any authors that you would particularly suggest if you, um, like if other people wanted to read something similar to Hunt the Stars or Polaris Rising? Um, I do. There's a bunch on my website because uh, as soon as anybody asks me this question, I immediately blank on every book that I've ever read in my entire life. Um, but some of my favorite authors are Alona Andrews and Nalini Singh and Kit Rosha. And those aren't necessarily set in space, but they all, they each have sort of a sci-fi series. Um, if you wanted set in space, um, I think Anna Gear has a series that's set on like a, like a prison ship in space, which is really interesting. Um, Martha Wells's Murderbot books, which I adore, are sort of set in space as well. So there's definitely a lot out there. I, of course, can't remember them because my brain goes, eek. but look on my website. There's plenty of book recs on my website. 
It's kind of an unfair question too, because we're here to talk about your book, not other people's. So. <laughs> oh no, I love talking. I I adore talking about other people's books. I can't remember any of them for the life of me, but I adore having like talking about my book. I'm like, yeah, it's it's okay, it's a book. Talking about other people's books, I'm like, read this right now. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jesse. Thanks for having me. I have been. I've had such a good time. I can't wait to read more about um, the characters coming up in Eclipse the Moon, which is out July 12th, 2022. Right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. No, it is definitely 2022. I'm trying to spread that word far and wide because I've had people like be very like devastated that it's going to be next year. And it's not. It's not next year. It's this year. <laughs> So if you want to check out more from Jesse Mahalik, go to jessiemahalik.com. Thanks for stopping by and have a great day. Thank you. You too.